The Lord is great, and uh, we are so glad to be sharing this time together. I actually um, had asked that Karen stay for just a moment uh, up here on the uh, on the stage, and I had uh, talked with someone a little earlier in the week, and one of the things that was mentioned that just kind of resonated with me, um, Karen is like many of the people in our church, and they are medical professionals and nurses, um, you know, surgery techs, things like that. And as you know, and as you have been keeping up with, there are definitely a lot of concerns for those who are in that medical profession that are at times dealing uh, and doing their jobs, dealing with patients without maybe the, the PPE, the personal protection equipment that they would like to have and not able to change that out as quickly because of the, all the problems that uh, the manufacturing issues that are being done in that particular industry. And so I, I believe with all of my heart that whatever comes in the days ahead, I think we are called to be careful, but I don't think that we as Christians are called to be fearful. And so I want to just mention to you the thing that has resonated in my heart. Be careful, but don't be fearful. Instead, trust that the Lord will bring you through in every situation, that he will protect you and that he will be with you, that he will guide you. And um, I asked Karen to stand up here for just a moment. First of all, amazing. And thank you so much for making time to be a blessing in this way, not just the, to the babies that you help bring into the world day after day after day. I always make time for you. <laughs> and so we're excited to have her here and uh, we're excited to see her using this side of her giftedness. But when she goes tomorrow and she is there with people that are going to put you and some of the other wonderful people in our church family at risk, may God keep you and protect you. Maybe you want to join me right now and you just want to kind of extend your hands towards the video screen. Um, I feel more and more like a televangelist every day. This is crazy, but maybe in just your way, you want to lift your hands or extend your hands the way that we often do here when you're sitting here in this place with us and you want to extend your hands to those that we are praying for. And we want to ask that God, you would be with Karen that you would be with everyone that is just like her, that is out there ministering in your name and on your behalf, that you are using their hands to be your hands extended to people that are at risk. But God, please watch over them, protect them, guide them, be with them. And Lord, in a supernatural way, intervene. We know that there are doctors and nurses that have caught the coronavirus because they have served other people. I pray for a supernatural protection, Lord, uh, that you would just watch over and be with them. May each and every medical professional, may meet each and every police officer and law enforcement officer that are out there in the streets and not staying home because they have to perform the job for our society. God, be with them, watch over them, guide them and protect them. And in everything, God, I pray that you would help them to have a sense of your peace at all times in their life. 
Be with each and every one, dear God, and may they continue to be a blessing in your name. And it is in your mighty and strong name that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Thank you. I also would like everybody to keep my sister Kimberly in your prayers because she starts her new position of actually testing patients tomorrow for it at her job. So everybody keep praying. Please pray for Kim Potts. Many of you know Kim. And uh, if you don't know her by name, you would know her by just seeing her. And so let's continue to keep Kim Potts in your prayers as well. I'll turn it over to Peter. Thanks, Peter. Good morning, church. Uh, so I'm going to be reading a scripture today. We're going to be reading from John 10, from John 10. And again, we're going to be uh, continuing this in, uh, the series, uh, I Am series, and uh, pastor's going to come up here and start in a second, but uh, just going to read our scriptures today. So if you have your Bibles uh, or your cell phones, uh, please uh, go to John chapter 10. We're going to read from John 10, verses 1 to 18. The good shepherd and his sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by the other way, by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has bought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Verily, truly, I tell you, I am the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the door. Whoever enters, enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that, that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down it, 
lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Let's pray before the pastor comes. Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you and we thank you, Lord. Lord, Father, we know, Lord, that there's lots of going out right now in this world, Lord, Father, that's trying to disturb your ministry. And I just know, Lord, Father, that your will will be done. And we ask you today, Lord, as our pastor comes, Lord, Father, we ask you, Lord, Father, to speak through him. Help each and every person, Lord, Father, that's watching right now, Lord, to be touched internally by your word. Allow us, Lord, Father, to be able to embrace it, to be able to transform from it, and to continue, Lord, Father, to be able to get closer to your will. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Amen. All right. Well, whether you're joining us live or joining us later, we thank you so much for joining us as we gather around God's word today. Uh, I've already mentioned what a great job Karen Baldwin did. Thank you so much, Naeem. We appreciate you. Naeem is literally uh, probably the best musician I've ever met in my life or seen. He's an incredible guy, and I'm so grateful that he is uh, willing to be here and be a part of things that we do here. What a blessing we have. Well, I guess we're in coronavirus 2020. Uh, I don't know, maybe week and a half, two and a half weeks or something like that. It's such a weird time in which we live right now. It's so funny because as I've spoken to many of you on the telephone or through text, we always kind of have those same words. This is such a strange time, such a bizarre time, such a weird time. Uh, and all of these words that just kind of constantly find themselves bubbling to the surface because we're in a pretty unprecedented uh, territory for sure, something that affects our entire world and we're so fully aware of it in a new way because of our connectedness on the internet and things of that nature. Our world is definitely connected, but in the process of that connectivity, it is something that is difficult uh, for us to feel that sense of peace that God provides. And so just want to encourage you. Um, I do want to share a couple of things that I thought might bring a smile to your face. I don't want you to misunderstand. I'm not trying to be uh, lighthearted or glib, you know, in some way that makes it uh, seem like I don't take this seriously. But, man, you can only watch for so long, right? I mean... My goodness, if you do nothing but just simply watch the entire uh, news coverage and all of that, it can be downright scary and depressing. But probably many of you are dealing with something that you could probably identify with uh, a couple of these slides that we're going to see. Uh, if you look at this next slide, you'll check it out. Uh, it's so funny. Find a quiet place to work, they said, and you can probably identify. If you've got kids at home, there is no such place as a quiet place for you to work, right? And uh, so this is a great little uh, reminder of how crazy it is right now. Or maybe you might check out this next slide. Uh, maybe you can identify with this. I used to spin that toilet paper roll like it was the wheel of fortune, you know, just, you know, slide it. Now I turn it like I'm cracking a safe. I thought that was hilarious. So hopefully you enjoy that and uh, get a kick out of that the way that I did. But yeah, we are definitely living in some unprecedented times, some difficult times. But you know, the truth is, is that as we look at these numbers, uh, it's pretty crazy 
Um, but it is definitely a reminder of how much we need the Lord. I was thinking about it two weeks ago uh, as we met together on a Sunday morning, uh, late Saturday night, there were about 2,000 cases in the United States. Last Sunday, there were about 24,000 cases in the United States, and today there are over 123,000 cases, and the numbers just keep expanding and exploding, but this is our time that we lean into God and where we realize that this is a perfect example of how we know that this world is not our home, that this is not where we are designed and created to live forever, that God has prepared an eternal place. And probably if you were like me and many others, the busyness has started to fall away. You know, when they begin to ask you to stay at home and not get out anymore, some of the busyness that we fill our schedules with, it begins to kind of fall away. And man, there's only so much TV that you can watch, right? Netflix is good. It's helping us get through, but it's definitely not uh, nearly as much fun in the fifth or the sixth or the seventh show that you're watching in a row. I mean, my goodness, there's only so much that you can take and ingest. And so it reminds us that there is so much more to life than just simply being being entertained or keeping ourselves busy. And you probably have, like me, found yourself calling people and reaching out to people and thinking about people and even praying for people that you know that are probably going through difficult times and you're desiring and even feeling that desire for connection one more time. And probably uh, that is something that you need to be acting upon as you reach out via text or make a phone call to those that you love. As Jesus spoke and as I shared with you the last few weeks, the idea and the concept of me going into a totally different direction or a totally new teaching series is something I don't want to do because although I did not plan this uh, teaching series about the, the I am statements of Jesus, the seven different I am statements of Jesus, I did not plan for that to be something that would be going on during the coronavirus, but I planned that and God knew what it was. And so we knew uh, these things were coming. We might have chosen differently, but knowing that God knows all things, I believe that he has so much to say to us, even in the midst of our difficult times. And so... This goes back, and let me just kind of make sure that if this is your first time uh, to be listening to this uh, teaching series, you understand that this comes from Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, where God is speaking to Moses, and he asks him the question, he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, well, what is his name? What am I going to tell them, God? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And so just understand that whenever Jesus speaks these words, he's not only revealing himself in his own words, he's not even just simply revealing the character of God, he is equating himself with God. In the same way that God introduced himself to be the great I am, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and today I am the good shepherd, he is equating himself to be co-equal with God as he was. And so because of that, he finds himself in a place where others believe him to be blaspheming. And if it's not true, he is. But we believe him to be the son of God, declaring who he is to the world, if they will listen and if they will embrace. And so today, as we talk about, I am the good shepherd, you actually see 
kind of these types of uh, iconography or these types of visual images all around us. You can even see them in stained glass. You know, the truth is, is that this particular image of Jesus as the good shepherd has always caught and captured our attention and it has taught us so much. And I'm just going to say this today. There is so much in this passage of John chapter 10 that I'm not kidding when I tell you it could literally be an entire teaching series in and of itself. But I cannot get to every piece, but I will give you some pieces. There will be pieces that I have to leave out just simply for time's sake. And there's so much to give. I'd encourage you to go back and read and reread and even look into different articles about Jesus as the good shepherd. It is really, really powerful. As a matter of fact, as Peter read just a moment ago, the three different I am's are spoken here in this passage of scripture from John chapter 10. And I just want to kind of put them up on the screen. These three different I am's Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, and remember that's, Hey, don't get it mixed up. Don't get confused. I am the door for the sheep. Now let me explain what he is saying here. It doesn't sound real, real, uh, uh, real clear to us, but here is what would happen. Many times a shepherd would go and he would herd the sheep into an area where it was like a pen, but there was no door or gate. And as a matter of fact, some of your translations of this word may even declare this to be, I am the gate for the sheep. What Jesus is actually saying is a practice that you and I would know because as best I know, we don't have any shepherds that are watching today. Maybe we do, probably not. But here's what he was saying. Shepherds in that time would drive and herd the sheep into a pen where there would be a fence or even maybe a couple of different walls or even in a box canyon. And they would set up a way in, in a cave or something like that where they would be held in and hemmed in but in that place that they would go through as a door, the shepherd would literally lay his body down at night so that if a sheep was coming out or if an animal that was an enemy was coming in, they would literally have to go through the body of the shepherd. And so as you look at this passage of Scripture where Jesus declares himself to be the door or the gate for the sheep, he is saying something incredibly powerful a whole nother message in and of itself about how he has laid down his literal body for the life of the sheep. And this is powerful. He says, I'm the gate or door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come out or come in and go out and they will find pasture. And this goes back and harkens back to some of the idea of the, the, the true Messiah would not just be the one who would lead his people out of bondage but lead them into the promised land. It was coming out and going in. It was the idea and the concept of leaving Egypt, but also entering into the promised land, and the Messiah would do both. He would let you come out and go in to, be, to receive the blessings of God. And then in verse 11 specifically, the one that we're going to focus on, when Jesus says, I am, he says, I myself am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And can I just say something to you very quickly? I don't often do this or talk about this, but this is a perfect opportunity for me to read something that I think you will find very, very important. This idea of saying, I am the good shepherd that we see here in verse 11, this is a very important construct for us to understand. This is written by uh, John MacArthur, who wrote um, on his website called Grace to You, 
And so let me just read this, and I'm going to read and quote this to you so you can get a grasp of what Jesus is saying. And let's not forget, he is speaking to the Pharisees. He's drawing the difference and distinction of who the good shepherd is versus those who want to be shepherds but are really wolves in sheep's clothing, so to speak. And so as we read this, John MacArthur quote, listen closely what he is saying. It's a beautiful uh, understanding of what he is saying when he says, I am the good shepherd. This is an important construct for us to understand. The emphasis here is, I am the shepherd, the good one. Very important order. I am the shepherd, the good one. As if to say, in contrast to all of those who are bad ones. There are two different words in Greek, which is the original New Testament language. The one is called agathos, from which you get the name agatha, which means good. Agathos means morally good. Good, a sort of confined to moral goodness kind of word. It's a wonderful word, a magnificent word, but it's familiar to us in the New Testament. But Jesus goes even a little further. The other word, and this is the one that he uses for himself here, is a word that you pronounce kalos. Kalos is to be good, not just morally, but it is a more all-encompassing word. It means basically to capture and personify beauty, magnificence, winsomeness, attractiveness, loveliness, excellence on all levels. Not just that one small area of character, but in every single aspect. So when Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd, I'm the shepherd, the good one. I'm not like them, but he is also saying, and I encompass everything that you are hoping for and everything that you might aspire to. And so understand when Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd, and when he says to us, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to its fullest, he is talking very specifically about everything that you desire. The wholeness that you seek is found in him and him alone. If you have sought wholeness in sports teams, no more sports teams available now. If you've sought him in riches, man, our economy, who knows what's going to happen if you sought him, you know, uh, if you sought that fullness in all of these other areas, maybe just busyness or enjoyment or participation in different activities, all that stuff has ceased. And here you sit and you find yourself uh, either alone with your thoughts or alone with your God. And if you are alone with your God, you find yourself sustained in a brand new way, probably, and reminded of him as our source, not just simply a resource, as we talked about a few weeks back. And so he is the wholeness, the fullness that we are seeking, and it is in him alone. He is the shepherd, the good one, the good shepherd who encompasses all these things. Now, very quickly, I want to be very upfront about something. When somebody refers to you or to me as a sheep, uh, it is not a compliment, okay? Okay. <laughs> Most people, if you say, oh, they're just a bunch of sheep, that means they're blindly following, they're not paying attention, they're not really engaged. And this is true, this is your something to learn. Sheep are basically defenseless animals that are totally dependent on their shepherd for their well-being. Now, I would love to be self-sufficient, I'd love to be strong enough, good enough, smart enough, you know, all of these things, but I've lived long enough to know that that just ain't me. I wish it were, but it ain't. 
It is just not me. I don't have in and of myself the opportunity to be smart enough, handsome enough, good enough, moral enough, strong enough, and on and on and on. Self-sufficiency eventually runs out. But the sheep that he's speaking to, they are the ones who are totally dependent on their shepherd. Now, catch this and understand, wolves, who are the natural enemy of the sheep, they're so much faster than sheep. And there's no real easy way to hide white wool up against a dark background, right? They jump out, they can be seen, they can be found, they can be caught pretty easily, and there's no great way for them to defend themselves. They are totally dependent upon their shepherd for their well-being. And even so, even when it comes to just how they're going to eat or how they're going to lie down, they are dependent on the leadership of their shepherd. And here's what I want to say. For most of us in our world today, for most of us as 2020 Christians, we want to be all those, I'm good enough, smart enough, wise enough, on the ball enough, strong enough, on and on. But the truth is, is that great Christian living is not in all of those things. It's finding the shepherd to be your enough. He is all in all. You and I, as his followers, we don't have to be any of those things because he is already all of those things for us. So we lean into him, not because we are weak, but because when we are weak, he is strong and he is more than enough. So just know that when we find ourselves defenseless and in need and dependent upon the shepherd, that's okay. That's where he wants us to be. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this at all. If you look at this and you understand, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking directly to them. It's like, if you're young, you know he's adding them, right? He's like calling them out. He says, I am not like you. I'm not here to benefit myself. I'm here to provide for them. He is calling them out as being the wolves in sheep's clothing that they are. But just also understand that even all the way back to the book of Genesis, when Joseph was there in the right-hand man of Pharaoh, and when he spoke to Pharaoh, he said, I want you to know that my family are sheep herders, they're, they're shepherds. And he even spoke to his family as he was bringing them down. He said, just understand, they don't think shepherding is a, a noble profession at all. You can see that as you look in Genesis chapter 46, verse 33 and 34, he says, your servants have tended livestock. You know, you'll be allowed to settle in the, of Go- uh, in the region of Goshen for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. That's what Joseph declared. So we understand that this is a very, very humble profession. Now, I want to be very clear. It is a profession that we might not aspire to, but it's no easy job. It is a man's man kind of job. It is the type of job that calls for you to do everything within your power and then some. You are out there, as a matter of fact, if you go back to the Christmas story that you've probably heard a hundred different times from Luke chapter 2, what does it say? It says, there were in that same area shepherds out there in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. In other words, when everybody else had gone to bed and gone home, the shepherds were still on the job, still watching, still making sure that those things that might go bump in the night don't go bump around the sheep that they are called to protect. As a matter of fact, there is 
another reference on that John MacArthur website to a man who literally knew about the Bible times. It's called the land of the book. And he tells the story of how there was a shepherd who literally gave his life because there were three men that came with swords and killed the shepherd so they could take the sheep. Now, for most of us, we'd have said, man, there is no sheep that is worthy of my life. If I have three guys with swords coming for the sheep, they're having sheep tonight for dinner, and I'm going to live. But that's not the kind of good shepherd that Jesus was. He said, I'm here to lay down my life for the sheep. Not only am I working 24-7, not only am I laying across that door for the gate of the sheep, but I will lay down my life before I give away or give up a sheep so the enemy can take them. And so let's be very clear This is a powerful thing, and this is some of the stuff that a shepherd provides. Let's check this out here. If you look, what are the things that a shepherd provides? Let's go to this next slide. Here's what they provide. They provide protection and safety from enemies, but also they protect a a sheep from themselves. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. They provide food and water. They sustain the sheep. A sheep does not even know exactly where to go for the food and the water that are so important. As a matter of fact, there is even uh, many stories that you hear that sheep are afraid of running waters. So in Psalm 23, when it says, you lead me beside still waters, that means that the sheep will drink from a still pool, but not from a running stream. And so they have to find certain areas of those streams. And that falls back to the shepherd. It goes from freedom, from fear and worry. That's what a shepherd provides because if you are safe and if you are fed and sustained, then you don't have to worry. You just simply enjoy your life. And then the fourth thing is a constant and personal presence. These are the things that a shepherd provides for the sheep. So here is your big idea, and then I want to go a little deeper in it. But here is your big idea for today, that life centered on Christ is abundant life. Life centered on Christ is abundant life. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on the abundant life that God provides for you and for me as his followers and as his children by thinking that we know best. No, no. We think we know best. We even think we're making the right decisions. But the truth is, is that abundant life is only found at the feet of the shepherd who loves us and lays his life down for us. Very quickly, let's talk about a few things about what is Jesus saying. What is Jesus saying? The first thing Jesus is saying is he is the door that provides us access to God. Now, let me just be very clear. Again, we come back to the place where Jesus is comparing himself to the Pharisees. And as he compares himself to the Pharisees, just know that the Pharisees were not there for the sheep, they were there for themselves. They were there to make sure that their power, their strength, their influence, their prestige, all of those things remained intact. They didn't care about the sheep, they cared about themselves. It is so important for you and I to grasp this. Anyone who desires to be a spiritual leader but does not point you through themselves to God is doing you a disservice and maybe even more. Just know this. I want you to know this. I love you guys. I love you. You know that I do. You know that I consider you friends and people that make my life rich. Hopefully I'm doing that same thing for you. 
But in the middle of the night, when you call and I don't answer, because I'm a notorious, like, heavy, heavy sleeper. That's true. This is true. But if you call me in the middle of the night, I want you to know something. You didn't need to call me to confess. You didn't need to call me to ask for me to pray for you to be forgiven of the things that are worrying you at midnight or one o'clock or whatever it is. You go straight to the Father. The reason you go straight to the Father is because Jesus has already provided himself as the door. The door is not me. The door is not anybody who has the name of pastor or preacher or teacher or any televangelist or anything like that. You don't need a high priest because Jesus is your high priest. He is the door. If you want access to God, if you need forgiveness, you go straight through Jesus into God's presence. You don't wait till Sunday. You don't wait on me. You don't wait on somebody here on this earth to answer the phone. You go straight to your knees and straight into the presence of the Father. How does that happen? Because Jesus said, I am the door. This is how you come in, and this is how you go out, right through me. Hebrews chapter 4 has a a long passage of Scripture that speaks about this. I want to read the thing in entirety so you understand who you're dealing with. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our own weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet Jesus did not sin. That's why he's the perfect sacrifice. And so that also leads us to the next part of Hebrews 4. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is what God's Word is encouraging and even commanding us to do, that in our time of need, we go straight to the Father. We don't look around for somebody to be our intermediary. We go straight to the Father. And it's all because Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep. That's you and that's me. All right, so let's keep going. What is he saying? Here's the second thing that he is saying. Secondly, he is saying this. He is the door that provides us safety from enemies and from the enemy, capital E, Satan himself. So he is the door that provides us safety from enemy and enemies. So I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story. This is an amazing thing that happened. I, I have um, a... I've heard that you are either a mountain person or a beach person, right? So your ideal of beauty is a beach or mountains. And I kind of feel like maybe that's a little bit of an oversimplification, but I'm pretty much there, you know? I think that's probably true. You're probably a mountain person or a beach person. Shelly, who has beautiful dark skin when she's out in the sun, is a beach person, Me, personally, who has lily white skin, who burns like a little, you know, three-year-old child out in the sun in a diaper, that is me, the mountain person. So, because of that, some of my very favorite places on earth are actually found in the state of, wait for it, Wyoming. My very favorite state in the Union that I've ever visited is the state of Wyoming. Now, I will say I visited in July, not in December, so that's probably a big difference, but it is an incredibly beautiful place. This is where you find Yellowstone National Park. You go just a little south of Yellowstone National Park on Highway 191, and you actually flow from Yellowstone 
right into another national park that is my very favorite place that I've ever visited, and that is the Grand Teton National Park. I think I've got a couple of pictures of it. This is Grand Teton, and if you've ever been, you know that's pretty much what it looks like in person. It is gorgeous to the nth degree. We were driving and traveling, and we were traveling all through Yellowstone a handful of different days, and as we left Yellowstone, we had gained some knowledge about something that you would often see. Let's check out this next picture. And if you've ever visited Yellowstone, you know this is what you see a ton of. People out there with, picture, uh, uh, with photography equipment taking pictures of things, and you can even see some of them have lenses that are like this. I literally saw lenses that were this big. And so we grasped something, and this is what we learned. If we ever saw this kind of group with that kind of photography equipment stopped on the side of the road, this is what it meant. Go to this next slide. This is what it meant. There was something close by. You might not see it yet, but there it was. It was a moose or a bear or a buffalo or whatever it might be. And there's so many buffalo there that you literally are at a place where you're like, you know what? It's just a buffalo. Keep going. You know, whatever. It's crazy how beautiful this place is. We had an amazing experience, and here's what we found uh, to happen, and we couldn't hardly believe it. As we left Yellowstone National Park and drove on 191, as we went that way, we realized there were people literally on top of their uh, Toyota Land Cruisers with some of these huge you know, lenses. We knew something was going on just because of the crowd of photography equipment and the photographers. And so I have never met a stranger. I walked over to somebody, and I was like, hey, tell me what's going on, because I don't see anything. I mean, I'm not the brightest light in the harbor, you know, and so I need somebody to help me out. So I walked over, I'm like, hey, tell me what's going on. What am I supposed to be looking at, because I don't see it. He said, do you see that group over there of elk? And I'm like, okay, yeah, I see elk. Elk is not this kind of thing that draws this much attention. Here's what he said. He said, if you look real closely the grass was about this high, maybe a little higher. It was that beautiful waving kind of grass that you would see, and the grass was maybe this high. And they said, if you can look closely or occasionally you'll catch a glimpse, but there are wolves out there that are actually hunting that pack of elk. And I was like, wow, this is like a National Geographic special happening right here in front of us. And so here's what they did. They would just kind of all congregate together, and then they would start running all together, and the elk and the herd would just run and run and run. Well, here's what happened. As we watched, there were young elk that were on the edges of the herd. And so if you watch closely, or if you've ever seen the National Geographic specials, what the wolves will do is they will cut in between the herd and one of the weaker links, whether it be someone very young or a very old individual, they will carve them off of the herd, and then they will hunt them down, take them out, and the herd goes free, but they lose a member of the herd. It was an amazing thing to watch, but it was also kind of disturbing, to be honest with you. I'm sure this stuff goes on a thousand times a day, and I just never have seen it, but We were right there to see it. It was an amazing thing, but somewhat disturbing. And it reminds me of something that you and I need to be reminded of. There's an enemy out there that wants to do you and me in. 
that enemy will carve you out and push you away from the friends and the support system that want to see you make it and succeed. They don't care that your life is suffering. They just want you for themselves. There are people out there that don't care at all about you having the abundant life that God wants for you. They just want you to fit into their system. So here's what I'm telling you, especially in this new world that we live in. Be very careful that you don't socially distance yourself right out of the support that God's family provides. Be very careful that you stay connected because you are strong with your brothers and sisters in Christ, but you are weak in isolation. You've been carved off and the enemies will come for you first and you will fall and you will have problems and you will never reach the potential that God has for you all because you've allowed yourself to be carved off the herd and did not stay connected in the way that you and I should. Now, this is something that is incredibly powerful to think about. Bishop T.D. Jakes from up in Dallas said these words, and I wrote them down so you would not miss them. Here's what he said. He said, isolation is the last step before destruction. I'm going to say it one more time. Isolation is the last step before destruction. In other words, when you start hearing yourself say, no one loves me, no one understands me, no one cares about me, you are isolating yourself here, which eventually will isolate you here in body, and then you are ripe to be picked off. You need to understand when you hear these thoughts of isolation creeping in, just know that probably, I would just put it out there, these are lies from the enemy that are carving you off of the herd and taking you away from your safety and your strength. The good shepherd in the story of the, of the sheep and the 99, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Why? Not because he had enough, but because he cared about the one. And so he goes and finds that sheep because he knows that if that sheep is left out there to be by itself, it eventually will not make it. You and I, we've got to be very careful that we stay connected to the, the herd, to the pack, that we as sheep are together at all times. And so if you hear yourself saying these words or thinking these thoughts, no one loves me, no one understands me, no one cares about me, these are thoughts that are going to move you towards isolation, which will eventually lead to your own destruction. Be careful. And by the way, can I say something? This is an elk. This is human people, all right, that I'm talking about. If you are saying these things about yourself in your marriage situation, be very careful. Because if you begin to say these things, the one person that you never think will lie to you is you. But you know what? You will. And if you do, you start telling yourself those things and you believe them, you may just isolate yourself right out of a relationship that is the very thing that God provided for you. Be very careful when these things start sneaking in. So very quickly on that subject, I've been thinking a lot about how we cannot connect and how we cannot be face-to-face. -face. Make sure that the EHC Connect card that you haven't sent in yet, but you're going to, make sure you do that. Man, even set an alarm on your phone. 
because I want to make sure that we're staying connected. Probably uh, via Zoom. I know a lot of you guys are doing some of this with your work and stuff. You're using the Zoom website where you can get online and be a part of the Bible study uh, that we're going to be having. I'll send out information probably before or by Wednesday. So make sure that you're looking for that and watching for that. And a few of us will be getting together on a regular basis as we study the Word of God together. So please make sure that you are not isolating yourself, but you're using this time when you're socially distanced to be closer than ever to God. So very quickly, Psalm chapter 121 is a perfect example. This talks about how God is our help and our present, uh, ever-present help. He says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then go down a little bit. The Lord is going to keep you from all harm. He's going to watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your comings and goings, both now and forevermore. And that brings us to what we've already talked about, but also this third thing that I want to say that Jesus is speaking to us. And that's this right here. As the good shepherd, he guides us, leads us, and knows us each in a personal way. If you listen to the passage of Scripture, as uh, Peter was reading that passage, you heard him say, the sheep know my name. Here's that, that, go back to that pin that we talked about, how oftentimes there would be a pin outside of a, a town where people would drive or herd their sheep in, but it wasn't just for one shepherd and the six or eight sheep that he was taking care of. Sometimes it would be for five or six different shepherds, and they'd all have their sheep come into one pen. And in doing so, they would have to figure out a way to sort them later to make sure that you left with your sheep, but not with mine. How did they do that? They knew each sheep, and they literally would call them by name. And if you are a pet lover, I know actually we have at least one dog lover here in this service today. We're still under 10, by the way. We're still under our 10 quota, everyone who's watching. But I just want you to know, I have a few dog lovers here today, and you know, they know when you call their name. They're doing whatever, and you call their name, and they, they perk up. They hear you call their name. And as crazy as it sounds, the shepherd, especially the good shepherd, could call the name of the sheep, could call out a whistle for the sheep, and they would get up, and they would leave, and the sheep that weren't a part of their flock would stay, but his flock would get up and leave with that good shepherd. It's a powerful reminder that God knows you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And yet he loves you enough to lay down his life for you. That is the good shepherd. The thing that you can't find out there, that forgiveness that full knowledge and yet the full love. You can find full knowledge, but they probably will distance themselves. Or you can find full love until they get to know exactly who you or who I am. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that the more we get to know, the harder it can be to love sometimes because we see people, warts and all. The truth is, is that in our lives, we have one, our good shepherd who says, I know you. I know you by name. I know everything about you, and yet I love you. I love you. I call you by name, and I will watch out for you. 
I will protect you. I will give you access to the one thing that you desperately seek above all other things. And that is a relationship with your creator. That is who Jesus is. He is the good shepherd. Now, let me just say very quickly, John chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Let's see this just very quickly. I'm putting it up there. It says, they're never going to follow a stranger's voice. They're going to run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Here's what I would say. If you're a person who says, well, I don't really know what God's voice sounds like. Can I tell you something? If you don't know what his voice sounds like, get in his word. Get in his word. Because the more you read of his word and the more you begin to apply that to your life, the more you say, I don't know, man, this just feels like God's in this somehow. I don't know. I can't explain it, but it feels like this is God speaking, not just what I want. And truth be told, that is so important that we understand that sometimes God wants something for you that you might not want for yourself, but eventually will take you to the very place you want to be most. Because sometimes freedom feels like chains and chains feel like freedom because we get it confused, but God never does. That's why the good shepherd always takes you to where you and I need to be above all things. If you haven't figured it out, you can check out John. Uh, the, the book John and 1 John are two incredible places for you to start. I encourage you, there's a reading plan that's right here, finished by April 12th, which is uh, Easter Sunday. So you can read these chapters on each day, and as you read these chapters, you'll be there and kind of knowing these I am statements and seeing them in the scriptures themselves and then you'll see about Jesus proclaiming himself to be the light in John, uh, in the book of First John. So very quickly, here's the fourth thing that we see that Jesus is saying, and I want to talk to you, just make this very, very clear. He references his words or his word from Luke chapter 15 and other passages, like where he declares, you know, uh, David to be the one who is shepherding his people. Luke chapter 15, if you look very closely, you see that passage and you see that there are three parables that hit, hit, and hit again. The first one is the parable of the lost coin. The second one is the parable of the lost sheep that I just referenced a moment ago. But then the third one is the parable of the lost son. And you probably have even heard of it termed and called the parable of the prodigal son. And we even talk about that, the prodigal son returning home, even still to this day. But one of the theologians and the Bible scholars that were you know, kind of talking about Luke chapter 15, they said these words, they said, it's interesting because each item that was lost was lost for a different reason. They were lost for a different reason. The coin was lost by neglect. The sheep was lost by wandering. And the son was lost by rebellion. Here's what I mean. The coin was lost by neglect. Sometimes something is incredibly valuable, but you don't treat it as valuably as it is or as you should. The sheep was lost by wandering. If you know much about sheep, you know that they can take a bite of grass and then go a little further and have some more over there and have a little further walk and then find some more over there. And they can go from clump to clump to clump of grass and find themselves separated and gone from the flock. Sheep can wander. It's what they do. 
That's why when Jesus spoke about the 90 and 9 being left, and I'm going after the one that has been wandering, that's what he's talking about. But maybe you are like me, and you understand that, yeah, neglect, and yeah, wandering, but I can't chalk it all up to that. Because the truth is, is that there have been times where I was openly in rebellion against God, where I went the other way just to be going the other way. And the God who pursued me, who was waiting to welcome me back, the moment that I turned around and said, I've reached the end of myself. I'm out of money. I'm out of ideas. I'm out of strength. And I don't have anywhere to turn. The only place for me, for me to turn is back to my father's house. Maybe you can identify. Maybe you've been lost by neglect. Maybe you've been lost by wandering. But probably, if you and I are both honest, there's at least a few times in our lives where we have become lost by rebellion against the good shepherd. The beautiful thing is, is that he says, I want you to come back. And if you've done that, where you've wandered, where you've rebelled, where you've neglected the important things, I'm here to tell you that you and I, oftentimes we forget what's important and we get confused about what's actually really of value. And this is how you apply this message. It's very, very simple. You and I, we need to understand that we need to discard the chains that feel like freedom. And we need to embrace the freedom that can at times feel like chains. Here's what I mean. You would say, well, you know what? I can do anything I want. I can do these things and it feels like freedom. I promise you, so many people have become addicted to substances, individuals, and behaviors. And in the beginning, it felt like freedom and it turned out to be chains. Chains that they could not walk away from even though they thought they could. Here's what I would say to you and encourage you with. Be very careful for the things that feel like freedom but lead to chains. The truth is, is that the good shepherd says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to its fullest. He wants the best for you. And whether it's a habit, an attitude, a mindset, or decision that you need to make, I encourage you to go towards the sound of the shepherd's voice even if it feels like it means you're giving up something, I promise you this, you can never outgive God and you can never give up more than he will repay you for in one way or another. It is a beautiful thing. Let me just share this with you very quickly. We're, I'm gonna end right here. and I know my time is gone, but let's click to this next slide. In this situation with the coronavirus, you know, that this is changing a lot of people's situations and circumstances. I, I spoke to a friend of mine on the telephone yesterday. And as I spoke to this individual, he said, I just want to talk to you about this. And he said, I, I've been following the Lord now for a while. He said, you know, I, I've, I used to think that I just wanted to be good and do good and keep from doing bad. He said, but you know, the longer that I followed him, 
the more I realize that there are things that I want to give up for him. And when I give them up for him, he always just gives me more back. He talked about some of the incredible things that had happened in his life. I mean, literally from, from nowhere and nothing to somewhere and something in his life in short, short amount of time. I mean, incredible. And I want to be very clear. He told me, he said, when I've given up something, it's just amazing how much I didn't understand what God was doing or why I wanted it. But now I realize that even when it's difficult with God, it's, it's good. And even when it's good with God, it's, whew, I can't even say what it is. It's just beyond words. That's basically what he said. Now, you might be thinking, oh, of course, you know, somebody's all excited about God or whatever. I want to be very, very clear. This person that I was speaking to had just lost his job because of the coronavirus within like two days of when we were having this discussion. He was telling me that I don't have that job and that security that I had before, but I still have God. And if I can have one or the other, give me God. He is our good shepherd. And that kind of faith, that kind of testimony shines so bright in the midst of some really, really dark times and really, really dark days. I encourage you to find him to be your source. This is our idea, the big idea for today, that in Christ, we find abundant life. Don't miss out on it chasing something else because you won't find it. I'm going to end a different way than I usually do. I'm going to end with this. I want to quote Psalm 23 to remind you of who the Good Shepherd is and what He does in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. God, thank you for being our good shepherd. We glorify you and praise you for watching over us and watching out for us. You are the door that gives us access to our Father in heaven who provides for us and sustains us. May we never forget that you are our source and that you are the source of abundant life. Draw us into yourself and closer together at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thank you so much for your time and for your attention, whether you're watching live or later. No matter what, I hope and pray that God has spoken to you through our time around his word. God is good. 
He is our good shepherd. And let me just say, the way we always end is the way we're ending today. We have just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Love you guys.